everyone. Uh, episode number 41 here with, for the Fitness Devil podcast. We have Brian Cron back. He was part of a roundtable recently, and now we have him solo. So we actually just cut the shit and talk about why this is really all about people wanting to look better naked instead of all the other excuses people make about trying to get fit. He talks about uh, the, hap- the hazards within writing for fitness pros versus everyday people. We talk about how Brian really functions as a bridge between the evidence-based fitness community and a lot of the old-school traditional aesthetic world, and he's really great at merging the best parts of both. Uh, We talk about some of the bullshit from the bodybuilding world that really needs to die off, the old-school crap, and we actually have a pretty nuanced discussion about alcohol and how to deal with alcohol with clients and in your own lifestyle. And, of course, we shit all over Dr. Dr. Written diet books. I can't speak today. So, guys, hang out. It's a really amazing episode. It's really funny. Brian's super. And uh, stick around and enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, uh, we're laughing because some of the stuff that we just talked about off air, it's too bad we can't get it on air, but we have, uh, <laughs> we, we recently did a complete disservice to Brian Cron. We made him share the stage with Spencer Nadolsky and Mike Isertel. And so we brought him back on his own because we wanted to talk to him. Uh, Brian's a highly sought after, uh, Calgary based personal trainer, coach, fitness writer, blogger, presenter, speaker, um, online physique coach. It Jesus. goes on and on. Well, so like two of those are like, consistent but <laughs> you're everything man to everyone yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a little repeat redundancy there but welcome brian yeah. thanks, for, thanks for coming back thank you very much man good to be back glad i'm on my own so i don't have to listen to israel go on and on and on and sounding all smart and shit it sounds like he prepares for things but he doesn't his brain just operates on a way different yeah. level than all of ours yeah. and he can just spit out shit like that sounds smart and it is smart but it's yeah. just like I think he was in his underwear. He was like sipping on a protein shake. He just gave no fucks given whatsoever. All right. So let's actually go into some of the stuff that we uh, we talked about and prepared for. And uh, let's cut right through a lot of the package up industry shit and admit that deep (laughs) down, most of what we deal with is people wanting to look better naked. And you've helped hundreds of clients look good. And you've made this your focus. This is your marketing. This is your message. Why do you embrace and go headlong into that where like a lot of other people really dance around? They're afraid to say it's about like looking good and getting laid and all this. Well, it's just, it's cause it's honest. I mean, I mean, the reason I got into this, like, you know, working out after, especially, you know, in university and, you know, sports are done is you want a result. You want an aesthetic result. You want to feel more confident, feel happier with your body. And that's what initially got me into this. And then you see all the other benefits, like, you know, on your mental state and just good habits that transfer to other areas. But that initial spark is always like, man, I'd like to, you know, I want to look more like Arnold or I want to look more like Flex Wheeler. You know, I wish. Um, <laughs> like, like, like that's, like that's the, the, what's the word, the impetus. You want to look like <laughs> the, an extraordinarily gets... jacked and peeled black guy. Is that what you're telling the world? <laughs> yeah, man, with a 26 inch waist. Yeah, that's. <laughs> waste <laughs> yeah but, um, <laughs> but like that's what gets you going man and then there's the all the other things that kind of like you know you, you start to geek out a little bit more on the health end of things and you might even go down those all those rabbit holes and and but the, the initial spark is always just to look better and i find that that's you know i get people contact me all the time saying oh you know i want to 
I want to dance at my daughter's wedding. And, and I'm just sitting here going, as soon as I talk to them on the phone, it's just, it really, they want to lose weight, look better. You yeah. know, do you think you that know? like answers like I want to dance at my daughter's wedding? I mean, I think that can be sort of legitimate, but do you oh, think yeah, that yeah. kind of goes to the whole conversation about what you're allowed to say on social media and what a lot of people are pushing that you're not allowed yeah. anymore. You feel like you're not allowed to actually yeah. say, Hey, I want to look good that it's yeah. important to look good because we have corners of our industry that are actually attacking people who mm-hmm. are suggesting that being leaner, being more muscular, being quote yeah. fitter, like there's pushback against that, that message. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, like the big problem with that is, like if, if, if you're overweight and you lose 30 pounds, your blood pressure will improve. Your health, you know, your lipid factor, lipid markers will improve. Um, invariably, you'll probably move better. You'll certainly sleep better. Um, like a, many, many health markers will improve just by losing weight. So even uh, which is could be a pursuit of vanity to begin with. So one thing that I've discovered working with a lot of people and is that. You, you begin by chasing vanity and a lot of these health markers that will start to improve along the side. But if you initially start off by, uh, okay, we're going to you know, chase this blood marker, we're going to chase whatever, something a little bit more esoteric, it, sometimes it doesn't light the fire as much. Yeah. Because And that's everything. Because anybody will follow anything for a week or two, but it's getting someone to commit for months and delay gratification and put in the time and like you need to have something that stokes them day after day. So, well, and that's the low hanging fruit too. Cause if you say, yeah. Hey, we want to improve this blood marker. Like that may take a while, but like getting fitter, like even if they, yeah. they hadn't done anything two weeks, they can see results. And then that gets yeah. the carrot in front of them. And then all the other stuff starts yeah. changing. I'm not sure anyone was ever sold on the idea of personal training or getting fit because it would improve their bone mineral density. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. It's also, it's such a more, much more honest approach because like, I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm a, I'm a strength, you know, I'm a fitness coach. I'm not even a strength coach. Uh, like, I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm a trainer and that's what I do. But, you know, I know my share about the other things, you know, related to the industry that I can see how they all kind of coalesce and I can work them all in, in the right direction. So I yeah. just think, you know, I try to stay in my lane and just get really, really good at driving down it. And I think that's an interesting point too, because I think yeah. I find that a lot of people mm-hmm. we see in the industry are jumping out of their lanes or trying to oh, be yeah. <laughs> Brian's facial expression when I said that, if you're not watching yeah. the YouTube, uh, <laughs> yeah, people are dancing in some lanes that they really have no goddamn business being anywhere near. Uh, I'm not going to try to get into examples about that, but I think a lot of uh, the fitness professionals, and we have a lot of audience who are fitness pros. I think if you actually drill down and get really, really good at your core competency and build yeah. a, an image around that, and I think you may have actually done that better than almost anyone in our industry. And there's a reason why you're successful and have been so for a very long time. I think that will breed good results for people instead of chasing everything, following too many people and trying to emulate people who some they're in the fitness industry, but they're involved in shit that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, well, that's the thing. Like once you, once you have someone's attention that way, like you have, you have somebody, you know, three or four days a week, you know, an hour of their time and hopefully giving you their undivided attention and they're probably firing you text messages and emails about their diet and stuff like that. Like you have this huge influence on their life. 
So I can see the temptation from someone who's just, you know, you're just a, you know, just a fitness trainer. You might have a certification and a degree. Like I can see the temptation to want to be, you know, but I'm actually kind of a doctor or, or I'm actually kind of a, you know, soft tissue therapist, or I'm actually kind of this. Um, and people, you know, I, I, I can see how seductive that would be. And you're just doing such a disservice. Like it's so much better, more efficient to be just become an excellent trainer and have really, really good medical professionals in your network. Um, and if you're going to learn anything not related specifically to training, I would learn stuff like, you know, change psychology and habits and things like that. Cause that's where you can, man, you can make a huge difference. Well, that's where that whole, um, I yeah. think we talked about yeah. blurred lines yeah. in our last podcast, but that whole idea of mm-hmm. you just being someone you can, they can trust. And then just giving like, we'll call it psychology, but just basic advice yeah. on that yeah. sort of shit because you have their attention and trust and they're more willing to take yeah. just we'll call it low hanging fruit or common sense stuff. That's not common, but like habits, that's not deep psychology, but it's good advice that they wouldn't take from someone else because they don't trust them. And now you're there. Psychology is an inextricable part of what we do. Yeah, it is. Psychiatry and you start doing things with eating disorders or whatever. Mm -hmm. No, that's completely outside the scope of practice. You leave that shit alone and refer out, but we cannot help people if we don't have a good grasp on change psychology. Yeah. And that's pretty, it's pretty wide. Like change psychology covers a lot of the, intro concepts of all that shit and it's pretty easy like generally <laughs> well, yeah and it's just like like really right now everyone's trying all these coaches are trying to you know come off like they know how to break down research it's my it's my my pet peeve and you know when you speak to people like a, a good friend of mine i won't, I won't say his name he actually that's his phd is in like breaking down research and it, he won't even go into my industry anymore he won't even fart around on facebook with like in the fitness scene because it just, it just makes him ill. Like just like, he's like all these hobbyists are trying to do what he went to school for 10 years to do. And, you know, and he was like, why don't they just focus on being really, really good trainers and, and just contract this side of the thing out? You know, I, I guess, yeah, it costs money. Like, um, but it's just, it's such a much more efficient use of your time. Well, and I think that if and yeah. there is some danger to it, like if you get in some real shit, like you're talking about, like some serious psychoanalytic shit, like that can have a direct effect on their life yeah. negatively. If you think that you can handle and you fuck it up, like now you become someone who fucked their life up because yeah. you had no, you had no right getting in there. And I think that's oh, the danger of this all. And like you said, it's seductive because that's power either way on either end of the spectrum. Yeah. And I mean, like when I say, you know, learn about psychology, I don't mean like, you know, turn your training sessions into a couch session and you're like, tell me about your childhood and shit like that. But when you get really adept at, at just listening and looking for things, you'll know when you can kind of like jump in and say, you know what, have you, you know, have you ever spoken to someone about this? You know, I not, not you, but like you spoke to a professional about this. Like Dean needs to speak to a professional about a few things. Yeah. I need to listen to a lot of people, but I know that. <laughs> I just chose, I don't trust Andrew enough to take his advice. That's all. (laughs) I failed. Um, This kind of brings up, like you talked about fitness pros and everyone kind of staying out of their lanes, but we also wanted to talk about um, how you mentioned people who write for fitness pros and kind of putting out content as a fitness professional. So uh, we'll just say a lot of people try to impress other fitness people. And maybe not their, <laughs> not their clients or their market. Can you gotta explain why this is probably a mistake and what they're missing out on by going the opposite route? 
Well, we're missing out on a lot of money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's like, good Lord. But you know what? It's, again, it's kind of seductive. And I've I've fallen in that trap before. I've put out, not really blogs, but I put out Facebook posts that were looking back and go like, I was just writing for my thick pro friends, you know, so they could high five me. And and I don't know. I don't know what I get out of that. I get likes. You're like, what do you do with a like? You know, (laughs) you take that to the bank. Yeah, take them to the bank and cash them out (laughs) for Um, money. You know, unfortunately, you know, I kind of, I don't do that terribly often. And if I do, it's maybe five minutes of my time. But like, if I'm going to invest my time to actually write something, it's going to be to my like target audience or to my clients. Because that, you know, those are the people that support me. Those are the people that where I can affect change. And really like, if you're not helping people, if you're not, if you're not having a, a tangible impact on someone. And everyone thinks like, oh, you know, I, I, this, this post went viral. I'm having all sorts of impact. Like, you've done a fucking thing. <laughs> the post went viral. What do you fucking do? Like, like shit goes viral every day. Like, when you actually affect change in someone that you can see and they tell you, you know, directly, you know what, you changed my life in this way. Like, which is something, a, you know, your everyday commercial gym personal trainer can do. They have that at their fingertips. Like, when you can do that, like, now you're, you know, like now, like now you're getting somewhere. Like now you're, now you're a part of the a productive part of the industry. You're a product, productive part of society. You're fulfilling a role. Like, and uh, Let, let's even turn and, this to Facebook a little bit because I guess we oh, talk about conduct, but there, there's a disconnect, and we kind of had this talk before the show. But people that are talking about topics that maybe aren't in their lane or whatever, they're trying to impress fitness pros, <laughs> but their whole audience in terms of people giving them money are located on their Facebook. So is there kind of a way to navigate that? Or is it just like, I don't know, how do you choose how to talk on Facebook? Or do you just fucking do your thing? Like, because there's one way to go, but everyone's watching. I drop and pop, man. I drop my content and I pop the fuck out of there. (laughs) I just don't, especially, you know what, I'll be perfectly honest, like the whole, not to get too conspiracy, like the whole Cambridge analytical thing, like. What's that? Explain that. I'm you getting enough like during the election, Cambridge Analytica. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like the you know, like the dad, like it. Facebook is such a, it's such a dirty platform. <laughs> like it's it's it, like it needs like a massive dose of Valtrex. Like it's just <laughs> like like it, it, I don't know. It's, I just I think they got to tear the whole fucking thing down and, and start over again because it's it's it, there's so much people just gaming it for marketing and to get their get their name out there and get their brand out there and. And it's, you know, it's affected the end user. The end user is very jaded now too. That's the thing. And and I don't think Facebook has, it doesn't have that that feeling that it once had. It doesn't have that, oh, you know, this person is speaking to me. I'm connecting with this person. You know, it's. They're speaking to the likes. And I, I guess I can see yeah. that, that game because I even got yeah. caught up with that Instagram at the beginning and now I just don't give a fuck. And yeah, I no, end up getting more success because of that. Pop, yeah, I get more success that way, but it's because, yeah, you're tailoring a message to get the likes but the likes are generally not from your audience. Like it's kind of just a weird fucker system. That's it, that it, carrot that everyone chases, that it, dopaminergic system rewards, but you're getting rewarded for nothing except for likes and likes aren't real. There is an opportunity in this though. And it's if you continue to put out things that actually will help people, right. valuable, genuine yeah. stuff. And if that is your message to cut through all of yeah. the noise, if that's your signal in the noise, 
you mm-hmm. can do some really good stuff and you can be kind of a point of light in yeah. what can be kind of a dark place. Well, the way I did it was that it's like you said, you drop and pop, but you know the content you're putting out. You, you're you doing it because that's the content you want to put out as opposed to trying to put out content to get the like or to get the fitness pro or whatever. You know when you're putting out shit. Like, I think everyone does deep down inside and that's the problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, and you, know, you know when you're just trying to be part of a conversation yeah. as opposed to like advancing the conversation like there's a huge difference there absolutely um, and you everyone knows when they hit fucking post like whether that was for their own sake or for some of that other shit like yeah. I, i've done it i know that feeling and i felt horrible now i'm like fuck that i'm not doing it anymore it feels yeah. bad attention and validation yeah don't want it anymore don't care Bullshit. i still want ten, i still want ten thousand followers on instagram but that's just because of the swipe function <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking good business move like a direct link to wherever the fuck you want. Easy. That's true. Be good for the podcast. I'm Easy no to get here. to our podcast. You also said, uh, you know, yeah. you mentioned the dumbest trend uh, among fit pros nowadays. So oh, like, you want to make that explicit? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Dumbest trend. Okay. You know what? Okay. For, first of all, like I, I'm in my 40s. Like, I've been at this a long fucking time. Um, <laughs> you know, so like I, I'm coming at this kind of. You before know, YouTube. Um, before Instagram. Before Facebook. <laughs> Oh, yeah, before all this stuff. And, you know, lots of people are old like me, but, like, I've actually been earning my living at this since, uh, well, 94, I was still living at home. So, you know, <laughs> but uh, I started in 94, 97, like, full time. Anyway. Um, I was six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for fucking dating me. Um, and I just, now there's this trend, like, like, and I've seen a lot of things come and go and, and, when I got into it, it was always like the macho coach, you know, like, you know, make you puke and, you know, go heavier, go home and all those, you know, bullshit sayings. Um, and then it, it gradually, that kind of faded away, which is good. Um, but now it's brought about like the last few years. Now we have the whiny coach <laughs> and it, 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 it's just, and it's, I just find it so kind of like repugnant and it's, it's, it's not so much that like everybody has problems. Like you have problems. Well, fuck Andrew. You got tons of problems. Um, <laughs> you got problems. I got problems. Everyone's got problems. And, and you know, now I see coaches like whining, especially about this one. And it's the pressure to be in shape, Ooh. you know, and, and I just, I see this like going, Oh man, you know, people always on Facebook, they'll be like, Oh, you know, I just, you know, I, I hate going to, to you know fitness conferences because you know man, there's all, all those other jack people there, and I just feel so much pressure. You know, you know, you know, do I look good enough? And and I just sit here, like, do do people actually? What what kind of a coach actually thinks this? I mean, being in shape, like that's the that's the best part of this industry. Of course, it's hard, but like it's. <clears throat> It, yeah. it's, it's it's not a pressure thing. It should be an aspirational thing. Well, I feel so much pressure to be jacked when I go to these conferences, right? This is a huge problem for me. I showed up this year and I'm like, oh yeah, we're good. And I look over and here's Stan fucking efforting, sitting down, yeah. hanging out. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm the second biggest guy here this, this year, so that's okay. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. That's, that's amazing. He was, like that, he was super coach. cool. It, but but I, here's the thing though, like, and the reason that that's bad is it's not so much that I'm, I'm shitting on, you know, coaches who feel pressured. Like, like there isn't a day that goes by when I don't go into the gym where I feel like, man, you know, I just, you know, I got to get after this. You know, I'm, you know, I got to, got to make myself better. I got to try. I got to try. I'll never be happy. I will never, like, I'll be, well, content. 
Like well, I will never be content. That's the and driving that, thing behind this stuff. That's the driving thing behind all this. Why we're all kind of where we are exactly. is because we're never going to be satisfied it's, with this, and that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like I never want to like look in the mirror and go, "Oh fuck, I've arrived." You know, like I just, you know, like where would, where would I go from there? It's like, called being the positive way of saying it is we're all inspired to be better. <laughs> we're not exactly. whining about what we're yeah. not. Like go fucking basically go get after it in a nice way. Well, exactly, and and it's just I would never want to put that, you know, that the message out there that 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 I don't like. I don't know, like. I would never want to put out a message that I feel a victim when I of, of this industry. Like this is such this industry is such a privilege. Like look at what we get to do. I mean, you, you, like you've heard about you know obviously everyone's heard the expression first world problems. Like yeah, like I've been to third world countries and I've you know I've seen people who have way better genetics than me and have just given the opportunity what they could be. But they don't have the opportunity because they're drinking fucking water out of the street that looks like sewage. And, you know, they don't know where they're going to get their next meal. Or it's just, you know, that you, you see that and you're like, wow, like I have it. Like I get to fuck around with my diet. I get to you know, <laughs> like I have so much food that I can be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to have a high carb day and then I have two low carb days and, I, and I'm going <laughs> to see what it does to my physique. Like. You get that option. <laughs> yeah, like, look. I th- I, you're I, right. Like, I think if people in some places of the world were actually sitting down listening to this shit, they would burst into yeah. flames from like, anger. Like, I can yeah. fast for 24 hours yeah. and know that I may not die in three days. Like, I could just eat if I want to stop it. People are like, I'm fucking fasting. And, I'm hungry and, and I don't want any food. And I'm, meanwhile, we got some really stupid motherfuckers pushing some extreme fasting going on. I know. I, like, I remember I was in Haiti. And, and and there's like literally like there's they were literally piling up garbage because there's like some political war between the city and this gang and so they're like trying to garbage them out like they just they took all the refuse in the, in, on the island and they like piled it in front of this dude's door like this community's doorstep this is ridiculous and people were like fishing through there looking for stuff to eat and, I, and I'm like standing here going like like man and, and when I'm at home you know like I, I fuck around with, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work in red meat and see if I get a little bit fuller out of it, you know? And then they'll be able to go back to chicken and see if it like, you know, if my dad, my digestion improves, like all these things that are just such luxuries, not to mention like training, like, like having, being able to like hop in my car and go to like 10 different gyms and, you know, go about my thing. It's like, it's such a privilege. And when you, when you grasp that and you really, you know, internalize it. All of a sudden, it becomes so much more fun again. Like training is fun because you're like, "Fuck, I get to do this, man! This is awesome." You one know? one weird question to this, and maybe this is just yeah. devil's advocate, but like, do you think that the um, uprising of the whiny coach has, in a positive way, kind of served an under under what do you call it? utilized market or whatever the fuck you want to go uh, underreached market? Well, that, that would think, not necessarily get into it, but they saw someone whining. They're like, "Yeah, like fuck, fuck." I like that guy because Brian's fucking ripped. I don't like that guy. Well, like when I say whiny, I I mean um, like legitimate vulnerability. I think people who can express yeah. that and really tap into um, and connect with people who are kind of I don't want to use the express like on the margins, like they're never going to go to a gym. Yeah. 
And, but if they can connect with someone who's a fitness pro and they're, and they're showing a similar kind of vulnerability and you can yeah. bring them into the lifestyle. And I mean, that's, there's, there's nothing but good there, but when it's done, um, when it's done just to basically just, just to perpetuate your insecurities yeah. or just the, you know, that's, I, th- I think it's go- it goes back to exactly yeah. what we're talking about with Facebook yeah. likes. It's like the whining is that bullshit post to get more likes and to get more followers as opposed oh, to like God. being vulnerable because like that's your shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think there is a, yeah. a strong correlation between those two and they're, they're vastly different. I think you can use a, a good example I think is someone like John Romanello who really openly talks a lot about depression. Yeah. And yeah. he does it because, you know, comes from a very personal place. But I think that guy actually genuinely wants to share and help a lot of people. And I think that can really connect with people and make the topic a less of a taboo thing to deal with. And, I, yeah. you know, that guy's a conflict guy. I don't think that guy does anything to, to really worry about attention. And so I think that's a good example of someone yeah. who's doing it the right way. But uh, I think it's uh, – you said it exactly yeah. right. Vulnerability – between vulnerability and whining. Like there uh, – is there a better oh. word for – I like whining. Whining's fucking well, right. Well, the difference is whining is – it's all boils down to you. Yeah. Like vulnerability, like, you know, at first of all, like, you know, I know John. I've known John for 10 years and, and – and yeah, like, but I don't think there's a better writer in the industry. So he can kind of communicate and it doesn't set – like, it, it's the furthest thing from the whining. Yes. And, and I also know he's coming from a legitimate place. But, um, like, for the – for your, like, typical fit bro, I mean, if you're if you're just putting out this this, this – this, this vulnerability style stuff and it's just really just to serve your own ego and just to like vent your own insecurities like who are you helping like like are you you're just you're just looking for likes you're just looking for you know oh this fasted cardio this morning is so hard like oh, oh God. such yeah. a struggle <laughs> fuck right the grind the grind yeah. like beast yeah. mode you know what a fucking grind is what a grind is if you're a single parent you have you know three kids you're, you know, you're trying to get child support out of your deadbeat husband. You know, you're working as a, you know, working two serving jobs and you're trying to like find a way to eat healthy. That's a fucking grind. And, you can't, grind. and you can't sleep. Yeah. So you can't regulate and you can't carbs sleep. and you're fucking stressed and fuck. That yeah, is a grind. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that should get the hashtag, hashtag grind right there. Like that's like, those are the people that. I don't know. I have what amounts to an allergic reaction to the word grind whenever it's used in either like social media, entrepreneurial exploits, or the fitness industry. It's just like. When I use it, it's totally because of that. It's like. And I get a rash when you do, seriously. Really? You get mad? No. Okay, good. I'm totally doing it. I've never noticed that you've done it. I'm probably going to now, but. It's usually one of those ones where I'm putting a fake wine post and I'll put like hashtag beast mode, but it's totally like my way of like being sarcastic. Probably super horrible, but it's hilarious. Dean's been writing over and over in his paper. Do not write whiny shit. No, if I'm writing whiny shit, it's like almost overly whiny to the point where everyone knows I'm joking, but then maybe someone does it or whatever. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It all comes back from someone's motivation. Like if someone legitimately needs to be picked up, yeah, and uh, you know, and 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 Facebook is a way for them to do that. Um, you know, I, I support that, man. I want everyone to be happier. You know, I want the world to be a happier place. But so much of it, there is a mechanism behind it that's oh, yeah. connected to marketing, and that I just find that's just the lowest of the low. It's the bullshit meter. It's it's it, what yeah. you're talking about is when you look at someone's post and you know it's bullshit, 
and you yeah. know they're trying to get something out of someone, like if yeah. that dings, then it's whiny. If you can actually be like, like yeah. we've all had post priority posted shit, but like it was real yeah. and you get real responses. Yeah. The stuff that's whiny just gets yeah. all the bullshit. Well, yeah. And it, and it shouldn't, and this is just my opinion is that like real, real vulnerability shouldn't come. Like it shouldn't come easy. Like I remember when I, about a year ago I had my son and like we were trying for years, my wife had breast cancer and, and resulted in a bunch of problems with fertility and stuff like that. And, you know, just, just a bunch of rabbit holes, like, you know, fertilizing eggs and finding a surrogate. It's just, it's like crazy. And I, I remember when my son was born, I'm like, I'm going to write about this process that I went through, or we went through. And it's been, well, my son was born in July. I haven't been able to do it yet. And I'm a pretty good writer. Um, I just haven't been able to do it. I haven't been able to put it out there. Because it, it's so it's so real to me, yeah. and even though I know that there's other dudes and other women who you know my age are in similar kind of predicament and going through the ups and downs that we did, I just I haven't been able to do it yet because because it's real and it's like it's so big inside of me and I respect it and just the thought of like throwing. I don't know. Just the thought of trying to use that to like get likes or just get affirmation. Like it just that I find that kind of repulsive. It goes back to what we talked about with like we have great power with I guess yeah. our real audience. And like if that message is let's just say done half heartedly, it may not have the impact mm-hmm. that it deserves. And I think that that's where we do yield power when people are have eyes on us, especially people that have our trust. Now conversely, <laughs> if you if out of fear of doing it the wrong way, we miss an opportunity to actually yeah. talk about something that really could be beneficial to people. I have a few clients who have gone through that same or very similar process to what you just described and, and a lot of the in vitro stuff and like trying over and over. And there's some pain and there's a lot of like that shit's not a fun experience. Um, <laughs> to say the least. And I couldn't appreciate that because I haven't gone through it, but I've been yeah. told intimate details of it. There are people who really are going through this stuff. And so yeah. you are in a position to be able to write something that could speak to, you know, other people yeah. about the similar, the same thing. But when you're getting ready, <laughs> he's like, fucking yeah. write it, Brian. Like, I want to see it. Yeah. It's going to be great. He'll do it when the time is right. It won't be whiny. I may, no. I, as a joke in my head, I would go on there and be like, hashtag beast mode, hashtag wine. But that would probably come off like a dick. So I won't do it. No, I mean, there's, there's, you know, as painful and, and tumultuous a process as it is, is there's like anything. The other thing is that you have to provide value to, to people. And um, like my, my kind of thing is if I'm not providing like training value, whatever that means, like I try to like try to offer some humor. Yeah. Um, but it, like even in that subject, is it, there is a lot of humor to it, like especially for the guy. I mean, <laughs> like, like is, when you're when you're the guy in the fertility process, um, they just got to know that you're making swimmers. That's all they really care about. They don't care about your health or your well-being and all this, your stress. Um, and so, like, you know, frequently you have to go to the clinic and, you know, provide your sample. And, and when we're going through this, like, we were moving a bunch because my, my wife was also in school. And so we're – so I've, I, I've visited, um, I think, five different clinics. <laughs> Provided a lot of samples. Like, you know, and um, it's like <laughs> – like in, in in one city I was in, you go to the room is just like a desk, like 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 in a chair and like a couple of magazines that they give you for stimulation, 
And and they're like from 1992. Like, <laughs> it's like, like Hustler saw, and They saw your age. Like, how old are you? They're like, can't get the 92s. Get the 92s. I'm guessing you're like just grabbing the pages like by the corner, gingerly just like flipping them, hoping they're not stuck together. Like, just the whole image of this is terrifying. Exactly. And then you go to New York. When I lived in New York City, and I had to go through the process. It's like video and like and just internet and you know I'm, I'm surprised i'm sure if you paid a little bit more you get like i don't know probably someone to help you like it's just like <laughs> shit how and, many samples um, did you provide and like were you just <laughs> how many samples did i provide uh many many <laughs> many so, um, they're, they're, like, they're like Brian you can't come back anymore I'm, I just want to provide more I just want to see I just need to see like you've been here five times this week and I'm just hoping that there wasn't like one other guy that you recognized from multiple places who's looking at you <laughs> oh that's the worst part that's the even worse than the actual like Providing. process is the waiting room because you're there and you're like like 30 other dudes and you're almost kind of sitting there and everyone's kind of like on their phone and shit and, and just but we're all looking at each other going, yeah, I'm, 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 going to go, I'm going to the room, you know, we're all here for the same reason, you know, but no one says anything, like no one does like the bro nod or nothing, like there's no solidarity, it's just, yeah, I don't miss that at all. I would have done a nod, be like, yeah, man, <laughs> hashtag beast mode, yeah. hashtag provide. Yeah, whoops. All right, how, how let's, how let's, let's skip this over to actually <laughs> something aesthetic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier about like coaches getting too caught up in evidence-based uh, stuff and trying to be research people, but then yeah. and, and our corner of the industry tends to think of itself as and brand itself as evidence-based. And I've always specifically thought of you in this light. I've always felt you were kind of a critical bridge between that world and well-liked within it, but also big part of the more traditional aesthetic training community, old-school bodybuilding world. Yeah. And a lot of great ideas come out of that world. Uh, and I think our industry sometimes tends to reject them wholesale, yeah. a little, little yeah. condescending about it. They get dismissed. Yeah. Why is that? And then yeah. what valuable wisdom is our evidence-based community missing out on by devaluing the traditional competitive approach? And I could use definitely like mind-muscle connections as yeah. an example of that. So your thoughts there? Well, the biggest thing is, is that... Um, like the one thing, I, like I feel really bad. Well, I don't feel bad, but I feel bad for guys like 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 Brad Schoenfeld because he puts out he'll put out a Facebook post and he'll say, you know, here's a study that was done, you know, and these are the results. It's it's and you'll always end it with like this suggests or this, you know, but more study is needed. And the people will jump in. Always these these kind of young coaches jump in and go, yeah, there it is. There's the answer. You know, that, that's what I got to do, you know, seven to nine sets per week or whatever, whatever they happen to be studying. Whereas, you know, that's not what, like, like one study in isolation doesn't tell you a heck of a lot. It's just like what Brad says. It's like, it's, it's interesting, but more study is needed. More research is needed. Um, so that's always where I kind of like raise an eyebrow. It's not, not at the people doing the research, of course. It's the people who, you know, think that they can interpret the research and, work it into their practice if they're actually coaching people. Um, but to, to your point, your other question, what can people learn from old school? Like there's so much of like old school bodybuilding that is bullshit. Um, but the things that are so valuable is stuff that you don't see like in a training program or in a study and that stuff like focus, commitment, effort, 
um, like working past your comfort zone consistently. Like that's what people can learn from, you know, watching meatheads. Like I never pass up an opportunity to train with a total meathead. Even if half, you know, like even if half the stuff he's doing is wrong, I don't key in on that. What I look at is like how they approach a set, you know, because if someone's been training for 15 or 20 years and they're huge, they fucking know something. Yeah, they figure something you out. Know? They figured something out, and it's not their exercise selection or whether they supinate at the top of a curl. It's like <laughs> it's it's always things like their focus during a set or or how when they know when to go again. Like rest intervals is always obviously a huge thing that people argue about, but when you do this long enough and consistently enough, you figure a lot of stuff out, and that's what I kind of key in on. So like like you mentioned, um, Stan Efforting. Yeah. Like the reason I have such huge respect for him is that he has so much respect for the old school. Um, and like he mentions, uh, like he loves Flex Wheeler and you know, he worked with Flex Wheeler for his last prep and made all kinds of gains. And it's just all using stuff that you'll never find in a textbook or hasn't been studied yet, but he's, you know, he has, a, you know, he's applying it and he's trying it for himself. And it's not like just because something works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, but you know, as the saying goes, like success leaves clues. So you're kind of stupid if you ignore that. Basically, you only like him because he likes your idol, and he worked with him. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Flex Wheeler. Oh, is he gone? You know, no, Stan Erfing is is on my idol list. But, uh, and Stan, yeah, but, but that's what I like about. Stan. And Stan's around. Like Stan's Stan's old. Older, older male. That's, yeah, he's and, he, and he's, he was, and he survived. He looked, and he's strong. He looks great. He, uh, I sat down with him. I got to spend a bunch of time with him because I think a lot of the other people in Kansas City didn't quite either like appreciate or know who he was. Yeah. Or, they're, they're focused on different shit. And like, they're probably a little bit more caught up in say Mark Fisher, who is a beautiful and wonderful human being. And I love Mark and I count him as a friend. But yeah. I think a lot of the people there might have like really been like enthralled with say Mark, but not necessarily appreciating just who Stan is and what he's accomplished. So I got to spend yeah. a lot of time <clears throat> talking to him one-on-one and the guy's amazing. And, I stopped talking. I like saw him walk in the room and I was like, why is Stan here? <laughs> did, did you know who that fuck it is? No one knew who he was except he for like was, all the Jack dudes. And he was just excited to be there and learn. Like he was just yeah. super humble about it. He was really yeah. curious and he just wanted to absorb the stuff that was going on in these presentations. But he knows shit. So like, you're right. Like we'll call it Jim yeah. Bro's bodybuilders, but he knows yeah. shit. He's been around. He's also, I think deadlifted like fucking 800 pounds and squatted. Like, like he's done shit. And so that doesn't yeah, happen by accident, even without the science. Yeah, well, yeah like, exactly. And, and he has, you know, the utmost respect for the science and like his vertical diet is, you know, there's tons of references in it, but like that's something that I try to emulate in, at a much lower level in myself is that is is use all different forms of success to inform your decision making, and it's not just you know what a study might suggest. It's like what someone who's someone who's been fucking training for 20 years they know stuff, and it's on you to like try to figure out what it is. Well, and one of the things to that is like yeah. I got in this argument recently, but it's just like. The science is behind. I don't care what fucking people say because they just started oh, qualifying fuck. the fact that calories in and calories out is 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 like right now. Like yeah. everyone fucking knew it, and then now there's these long term studies saying it, and so like we just believe it now that it's happening, yeah. or were people doing it before that because they fucking knew? Well, and it's just like you can't use everyone, science as your crutch all the time before things are happening. The stuff's happening all the time. I remember the NSCA, one of the last, you know, I, I got my CSCS. So I used to get the journals. 
Yeah. I don't get them anymore. I think I, to, I changed my address, but <laughs> I remember one of the last things I saw was like cluster sets, a novel way to get strong. And like I learned about cluster sets in the early 90s and I, and, and I just learned about it from another coach who learned about it from another coach and it dates back all the way to I believe like the 40s or the 50s, you know, cluster training. And, and I'm like a novel way to get strong? Like what the fuck? I mean like this is, you know, it's not – you know, there's a it's certainly of, not new to me. There's a ton of stuff that came out of the old world, and often Arnold yeah. is the one who popularizes stuff. I mean, Arnold yeah. was big into high volume training. Arnold yeah. was big on mind muscle connection. Now, again, there's also some bullshit too, like the uh, the muscle confusion principle is the one I always like to point out. It's like, all right, that one's that well, one's kind of bullshit. well. That's where science is needed. Like, it's it's good to be there, but I think that it, it'll yeah. it'll roadblock a lot of people from trying new shit because they're like, well, we have to wait. Well, it, it's going to take a while. Well, the thing is, if you're if you have great genetics and a really strong work ethic and on a lot of drugs, everything works. <laughs> if you confuse the shit out of everything, it'll work. Like, like everything works. Like as long as there's an element of progression to it, it doesn't even have to be. Like as long as you're working the muscle, if, if those other elements are there, hard work, genetics, drugs, obviously food, it's gonna work. So uh, that's you take away start taking away those variables though and now you need now you need science to kind of like okay what actually matters so that's where so that's where you got to always look at what the old school guys are doing or you know current pros and take it with a massive grain of salt say okay they've got all these other variables working with them so i can't just follow what the fuck they're doing you know i might not be as genetically blessed or have the pharmacy or all that other jazz so, but there's still stuff that you can adopt, it, it, take away from it. And it's, it's always mental. It's always like focus and it's consistency and like, and effort, effort, effort. Like that's the biggest takeaways. And those things are universally true, no yeah. matter if you're trying to lose weight and keep it off or if you want to yeah. be a competitive yeah. bodybuilder. And that's where evidence does play helpful to like the general population because like there's not going to be people like us that are going to try to disseminate the grain of salt with some of that shit and that's what people got their information from before like it was like you get your flex magazine you fucking have your men's health just do whatever it fucking says and probably yeah. fucking work and now the science is kind of helping people understand because that's pretty much black yeah. and white in terms of well yeah. mostly but yeah now let's flip it let's flip it well actually let's yeah let's talk about the shit that needs to fucking die off so essentially the, the <laughs> ideas from the bodybuilding world let's just go bodybuilding world that need to die off basically that all the insta pros continue to perpetuate that as real and that needs to fucking change or die stuff that needs to die off Get, take out a back and shot <laughs> oh man where the, do I start a shot. Um, preferably to the head <laughs> like stuff that needs to die off like I don't know man like the things that bother me lately uh Lately. <laughs> Lately. Lots of things bother me, but I really don't like um, the whole reductionist approach to everything we do. Um, like you said, calories in, calories out. Like that's the biggest thing. And for fat loss or, or weight loss, absolutely that's the biggest thing. But now it's like people reduce – now I've reduced foods purely to a macro level. Yeah. And, and like with absolutely or very little regard to food choices. And again, now you're – you know, taking it so far that, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat as long as you're in a calorie deficit. I'm like, who the fuck? Like, like that's, that's just so not true. Quality matters. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. And it, it, those, like the type of arguments that I refuse to get into because it's just, it's fucking moronic. And, um, but else, what else needs to die off? Um, 
Well, I hate the training is war thing. I've always had a <laughs> big, big heart on against that. Explain like, training is war for our, our listeners. Training is war. The whole like, you gotta suffer, brother. No, the the gym is the battleground, or whatever the fuck. You know, my, my body is a war, and the gym is a battleground. I don't know, man. All that ad copy bullshit that tries to like, because I know where it comes from. Because I've worked in that world as well, and it's just like. The majority of people who buy supplements are young guys and typically they're young guys kind of on the right of center. And so like these ad companies will fucking try to just pierce into that and with like lots of war analogies and, and battlefields and suffering. And, and it's just not only is it painfully disingenuine and, and fucking stupid, it also just leaves the wrong message. So when these guys get a little bit older, they don't have that they don't have that joy. Like they see this, Oh, I got to go to war, man. I've got my weight belt off the war. Like they don't see it as, 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 as a thing they do for fun and joy and, and add quality to their life. So, um, I, I have a big problem with that. Best part of my day. <laughs> Often yeah, enough. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> About to go to war with my concentration curls. Like, yeah, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you actually ingrain and, Okay, I like that one. Uh, I know your graphic. If you, yeah, we got his graphic. If we ingrain this idea that exercise is supposed to be unpleasant, <laughs> that actually cut, can cut through on a deeper level. And it can be particularly bad for anyone who maybe is struggling to lose weight because it's already unpleasant, the thought, the yeah. idea. We want, really want to make it something that is a joyous and fun and positive experience. So yeah. I, I think actually as coaches, it, it is a good idea to be very careful about those kind of messages and, yeah. and really try to let potential clients and, and people you're going to work with see it as something that they can really enjoy instead of dreading it. Yeah. You have to, it has to be, has to be fun at some level and you have to, and some people just absolutely hate exercise and it's a real chore to like find what that button is, but you have to find it and fucking push it because if something isn't fun, it is just not sustainable. And if it is sustainable, then it's, um, then it's a stressor. Yeah. So like, like if you force somebody to do something that they hate, but they do it out of out of sheer work ethic and will, um, you know, they'll still get shit done, but they will hate it. Well, and, and, and if something know. else gets added in, like let's just say a bad breakup, yeah. a kid, yeah. um, they get foreclosed on the house, lose their job, now they're yeah. fucking overboard and they're done. And so like you can't run at fucking yeah. full capacity with stuff that stresses you. And if the lift it's lifting, you got to <clears> reverse <throat> that from not being a stressor because that's not good. Well, yeah, like because. Like the big, you know, and that kind of ties in another thing. I'm, I'm, especially as I've gotten older, I really hate the fitness tourist, and I like I hate the, you know, okay, you know, I'm, and you see this a lot in, you know, kind of in meatheads too, with the bulking and cutting and bulking and cutting. And I get it if you're trying to build muscle, especially at a younger age, and there's nothing better than going on an extended bulk, getting a little fat, <laughs> you know, holding that for a bit, and then dieting down. Like there's just no better way to add muscle, and that's a very kind of small part of the population, but the average person always gaining and losing that 10 to 15 pounds. I call them their, their fat loss tourists. And it's like, like I, I, I lived for a few years in New York city. Um, but before I did that, my wife and I would go there and just visit. I probably, I probably visited there 10 times before I actually moved there. And whenever I'd visit, I was like a tourist. So I'd be like, you know, New York, you know, sleeping two hours a night and doing everything and, 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 you know, just running on adrenaline. Sperm banks. Sperm. Well, no, that was when I was living there. Um, but it's just like, but then when I 
but it's not sustainable. You know what I mean? I'd get home and I'd just crash. And, you know, because, you know, I was just a tourist there. I was just doing fun shit. Um, when I moved there, all of a sudden now I've got to find an apartment, you know, get a phone, you know, find a gym, do all, you know, where's my grocery store, you know, all that, all that stuff. And you find your ways to relax and settle in. Um, like that's what I actually, you know, understood the city a lot better and my place in it. And, and that's the way you got to view getting in shape is you have to kind of see it more as a resident than being a tourist. Like, so if you start off with all these like hot things, like, Oh, I'm going to do, you know, 30 minutes of fasted cardio and I'm going to, you know, train five days a week and fucking Tabata's after. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to carb cycle. And then when that does you know, all the shit, like none of that is sustainable. Like you have to kind of start on like a very, you know, something that you can do every day. That's chill. That just fits into your lifestyle. That's like, like you're a robot and just live it for a long time. And then all of a sudden you don't have these weight swings and you can make kind of slow gains in muscle or, you know, tighten up, you know, certain times of the year. And it's just a much better place to be. It's a good article. So, you should write it. Bro. Yeah, you can fucking steal that, man. Go ahead. No, you, you, you're like, fuck, I don't want to write it. I'm done talking. <laughs> well, this kind of goes to what we're going to ask you next. And like you actually recently said that 90% of the stuff you post on social media is about lifestyle. Yeah. Why do you focus your efforts there, and why are these nuanced, and often difficult to quantify discussions so important? Well, it's just everything else, like all the, like, like for example, setting someone's calorie level, like that's just a, that's just an equation. Like you can, there's a million of them online that you can find. So you you, you take somebody's stats and you bang them into the equation, you come up, okay, you should be eating 2,300 calories a day. Okay, great. That's wonderful. And even if that number is exactly where they need to be, it's fucking meaningless if they can't do it consistently, if they can't hit that number consistently. It's just, it's utterly useless information. So like time, you need to spend time on the things that, that, that actually, you know, support the outcomes that you're achieving or you're trying to achieve. So, I mean, you know, I'd much rather help a person like, simplify their diet, you know, work it around their lifestyle, you know, as opposed to like, here's your, here's your, your calorie level. And here's the, the, the five meals a day you got to eat or whatever, or here's your fasting protocol that I think is awesome. I'd rather take what someone's currently doing. I call it their way of traveling and just make it better, make it better. So I like, it doesn't feel so much like this, this, this big change. It's basically kind of optimizing what they're currently doing because then they can do that long term, and that's when you get results and you don't get the big rebound after. So that's where lifestyle is so important. Like, like I just started, I started with a new guy two days ago, and he's just like, he's just very stirred up. He goes, Friday nights, I like to, you know, go with my buddies and drink beer. And I'm like, well, I'm like, if you hung up on me right now and asked for your money back, and all you did was no, cut that night out. I said, you know, you're, you're going to get results. Like you're going to get great results. You know, like, it's just like, those are such huge things to address that are so much more important than, you know, whether they have 200 grams of protein a day or 225. And let's go there. Cause like that was another yeah. one of your social media posts we wanted to kind of bring up was I guess the tough conversations surrounding, I guess, lifestyle, but yeah. alcohol even, and simply telling people about the calories and alcohol and all that shit. Yeah. Um, can you kind of elaborate on just even going more specifically in that for, more, I guess, are fitness enthusiasts. Yeah. 
And people who have those questions. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's another thing I'd like to stop seeing is people um, writing about ways to work alcohol into a diet, you know, and and everyone's like, oh, you know, I can, you know, I can deduct these calories out of my carbs or my fat and still be in my magic calorie deficit and all this. And I'm like, talk about short-sighted thinking. Because first of all, if someone's got, like, if someone's got an alcohol problem, you do not want to enable that. <laughs> Like, like that's, you know, but granted that's out of your purview as a, as a coach, but if they confide in you, you know what, um, you know, or if it's clear that they, they have an alcohol issue, you don't want to help them find ways to work it into their life. Um, but even if they're just like a social drinker, um, yeah, you can, you can figure out the fucking calorie math, but what happens to their sleep? You know, what happens to their cravings? It's the, all the cravings the next day that are huge. Um, the disruption to their like their everyday pattern, um, like the reigniting of old bad habits. Like there's so many things that go beyond just the bullshit calories and alcohol. Like, so yeah. Oh yeah. You're so cool. You know how to like, you know, work in, you know, six beers and by reducing their carbs and fat and, and all this, like you're not helping someone like you're maybe you're, you're making the numbers add up, but you're not helping them build a better physique or improve their life. I've personally noticed that anytime that I've had a client I work with who made a fairly significant change their cal their uh, alcohol consumption, yeah. you see some pretty dramatic visible results in their yeah. physique and their fat loss just by that alone. And yeah. in a few places I've worked with some clients over the years who are completely and utterly resistant to any effort to try to change their alcohol alcohol yeah. consumption, it was really embedded behavior, yeah. they really often struggled to see results. And this one particular thing often was a major, major obstacle to any real progress. Oh, totally. And again, it's, it is so often more, so much more than just the alcohol. It's just, you know, if, if a woman's drinking two big glasses of wine a night, you know, she's probably having some cheese with it or some crackers and she's probably not sleeping great. And, and, and that's all beyond the actual calories in the wine and 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 yeah they from a purely like aesthetic factor especially once somebody gets lean um it, it it makes such a huge impact on fat loss you know and some people just don't metabolize out like you know i, I don't want to jump into bro science but you can just see it in, the, in their fat loss pattern like like you, you take alcohol away and all of a sudden they're they start losing fat off their trouble spots you know and, and it's just, I've seen it, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big spot reduction guy. Um, but there are certain instances where it's just, it's dramatic. It's just like when, you know, I don't like, like when someone goes on TRT, they invariably, they, they lose fat in their abs. And just cause that's, that's just you see it right away. So I'm going to be remiss not to say that there's a, a connection there. So, well, I mean, you know, there are hormonal things they are going on totally. there. There's stress, totally. stress yep. systems. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, spot reduction, they, that's more or yeah. less largely been debunked, but yeah. there are certain places on the human body that we store body fat for certain reasons and yeah. visceral yeah. belly fat has yeah. a lo strong relationship with hormones and with stress. We know that it's also yeah. more prevalent in men. So yeah. maybe there's a, I don't know, maybe I'm guessing here, maybe there's a relationship between declining testosterone levels and accumulation of belly fat. It's yeah. probably not a direct one-to-one -one relationship, but there's probably like some stuff that runs together. You improve someone's testosterone intake and some of the changes that are around that. It doesn't yeah. shock me that well, you see a like, reduction. Without, without diet, there's been studies where like testosterone, yeah. make, they lose like they lose almost like five pounds over, I think it was like 
whatever, six or seven weeks, just from like literally doing that and you add the in the equation, like, so there's obviously something, well, testosterone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. Well, uh, I mean, I'm kind of from that world too. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you work with enough meatheads and it's just like, yeah, it's just, once you bring testosterone up or they, not me, but once they bring testosterone up, preferably under the auspice of their physician, um, you just see it like that. I mean, cut liquor out. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, I guess like people are coming to you for, <laughs> they know the fucking answer. Like if you want like a direct result on like a better lifestyle and better fat loss, like cut, cut the fucking liquor. And I get the whole point of adding it in so people yeah. feel normal and stuff, but yeah. that's not the answer you're going to give. Like it's not correct. Well, and that's when you have to know your client too. Yeah. Like I got, you know, I have some where, you know, like, it makes sense. Like, okay, you know, they want to be able to have a, a drink or two at a certain social event and, and not look like it, you know, not feel like people are looking at them and stuff like that. And then I have others where like, I literally have to say to a guy because he was constantly asking, well, what if I only have two, you know, three drinks on this night? And then I have, you know, three drinks on this day. And I'm like, dude, you have a fucking problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, you keep asking me ways to rationalize your fucking habit. And this is literally what I said yeah. to him. I wrote like, I go, this isn't, this isn't going to work. I go, I can come up with all these scenarios for you that might like make caloric sense. I go, but you're fucking yourself up here. Like you have a problem. And you know, she was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, you know, he's a stressed out banker guy. And, and, but you know, he needed to hear that in that tone from me, but this is just somebody I've worked with for a very long time. And you have to have that trust built up because yeah. if you don't have that relationship with that trust, you could very quickly send that person off to a coach who will give them the macros and their alcohol, oh, like yeah. you said, and they'll give them the answer they're looking for instead of the answer yeah. that they deep down well, really need. And it's need. a difference between like a social drinker, like having like going out for yeah. a bachelor party or something like that's just like, we'll call that normal yeah. shit. But when it's a stressor to a have alcohol in your diet all the time and then have to plan yeah. around it, like having to plan alcohol so you can drink alcohol and fit in your oh. diet. That's a stressor alone. Like you're thinking yeah. about how do I fit my fucking alcohol in there? That's a stressor. This whole conversation makes me think about, of course, Kansas City, and that's where I first met you two years ago uh, yeah. when you presented. You weren't there this year, but we were all there. And I mean, for a bunch of fit pros get together, the amount of alcohol consumed, and I was guilty of that. But then there's a few people. I'll use Dean Somerset as a good example. He can throw in, like, he can have a beer or two and then shut it down, and he's really balanced. Well, we're tourists. But a, it's that tourist oh, mentality. Oh, some of us is just like, this is an excuse to go completely yeah. insane. So we see some interesting shit even we're in not we're not life. residents there yeah. it's a fucking yeah. tourist atmosphere and then we go back to being residents love it yeah. it fucking works no, well, right. it's, it's, you know it, again everyone's different <laughs> everyone's goals are different and everyone's like you know everyone's baggage for want of a better word is different yeah. and just like, my job as a coach is to try to figure that out as quick as possible um, like I try to figure out a few things really really fast and it's someone's volume tolerance. Um, if they're, especially if they've been training a while, I try to figure that out really fast. Are they a volume guy, an intensity guy, a variety guy? Um, and I try to figure out their, their lifestyle hit, like the things that hold them back. Cause it's always one or two huge fucking things that if I can help them at least acknowledge it and, you know, at least be aware of it and then slowly work with it. It just makes, you know, it, it turns a six months coaching process into a three month coaching process. So, yeah. Let's go into one more uh, post. I, I like to go through anyone who I bring onto this, this show, going through their social media stuff and look for some ideas to talk about. And I really like this one. 
And it's a two-part question. So your Facebook is filled with great content. Anyone who's listening who is learning about you really for the first time or early on, you really should go and follow Brian. We'll talk more about how to find you. There's a lot of great stuff there. Uh, your older post notes the worthlessness of diet books written by doctors. Uh, could you care to explain this? By doctors. Uh, what's that? Uh, by doctors. Uh, care to explain why this has become a problem and how to inoculate people against being misled? The second part of the question, of course, is always we ask people, if we're going to talk about shitty books, you got to throw out a really good one that's actually yeah. going to be beneficial to people. But uh, doctor books first. Um, well, that kind of stemmed from, I mentioned I did all this moving. Um, like I've, I own a lot of books. Um, and not just like, you know, like total meathead, just totally laughable books, uh, you know, from the, from the weeder companies. And, and, and I just, I just like to collect them. And now everything is an ebook and it just doesn't have the same kind of ugh for me. Like often I don't even read them. Um, but anyway, so I was moving. I'm like, I don't want to move. Books are fucking heavy and you know, and I'm not terribly strong and I'm definitely lazy. So I'm like, I don't want to keep moving these boxes all the time. So I'm like, I'm going to purge some. And, and like, when I'm going through it and there's like, Oh man, you know, I've got, you know, I've just acquired them over the years. You know, I've got South Beach Diets and I've got Dr. Oz book. I, I forget which one. I mean, this is like, I'm, I've been doing this a long time. Probably and I've wheat, got like Wheat Belly in there somewhere. Oh, I have Wheat Belly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember I heard him, uh, I went to see him, Bill Davis speak and I, I think that's his name. Anyway. Yeah. And he's, some of his, is, is, is like, he's using the Weston Price research. Like, like my wife's in dental and, and, they're always talking about Weston Price, you know, those pictures. Because he's the he's the dude who, in the twenties or thirties, went to like native populations and he, he like observed, you know, like their teeth and stuff like that, and how people and how it would change once they're introduced to a Western diet. And so, like in the dental industry, they always use his research to show like the effects of the Western diet on teeth. And now Davis is doing it using those exact same photos, going, "Well, this is like the, when we introduce wheat, these people got all unhealthy." He's showing the pictures of the teeth, and I'm like. I've seen this fucking before, but anyway, um, yeah, I got his book. And I, so I, I had all these books by doctors and, and then I happened to be in chapters and I went to that diet section and it's just, half of them are just shit. It's bullshit. Complete yeah. fiction. It, like the nutrition diet section of a bookstore yeah. should be labeled fiction. Yeah. There's it's nothing good like, in there. Like no one would, no one will improve, certainly not the, the look of their body, but by, by, if they follow... 80% of these books. And so, I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, now I look at, like, where do I get information on from now? Um, not to mention for a third time, like, a guy like Stan Everyday, like, somebody who's, like, you know, in the industry, like, training people, training himself, training clients, and absorbing, you know, absorbing the science and distilling it into his practice in, in a meaningful way. Like those are people that where I go to first, you know, and, and in terms of like, you know, you know, stuff that's, that's unimpeachable. Like, you know, you know, Brad Schoenfeld stuff for training. It's great. Um, you know, nutrition, I just, I've had a hard time lately finding someone that I really want to kind of quote unquote latch onto. I just really just kind of skim. Have you read um, Alan, <clears throat> Alan Aragon and Lou Schuler's book, The Lean Muscle Diet? I feel like that's actually the best entry-level nutrition book. I guess he's reaching over to grab it. 
That one is, guys, yeah. if you guys are listening and you are looking for a good nutrition book, that probably is the best one, especially if you're yeah. trying to learn as maybe a newer trainer or an enthusiast. It's really accessible. They're great guys. I, I'm proud because my copy's signed. I got both of them to sign the book. <laughs> Mine's on Kindles. Fuck. Yeah, you no. can't sign Kindles. No. Not really well. You right. It's like, what's a Kindle? That one might yeah, be the like, best yeah, nutrition book you're probably going to get your hands on. And you can do your diet. Like You can basically read that and take control of that shit. And it's, yeah. it makes it super fucking simple. Even though it's... Yeah. yeah, well, I guess it is pretty simple once you read it. But yeah, like... And, and, and that's stuff. the key with diet is it's got to be simple. Like It's got to be simple and repeatable. That's why dudes you know, know their shit. Yeah. yeah like you can... There's so many... Re- like you can geek out on it later... Like once you, you know, once you're in a good pattern and, you know, your macros are well established, your food choices are good. Like then you can kind of geek out on the micros and stuff like that and maybe experiment with things. But your, your basic diet should be very, very consistent and just something that you can repeat every day. And maybe you go off of it a bit when you travel, but then you come back home and you kind of hop right back on it. And yeah, like that, that book is really, really good for that because it just makes things really, really simple, but not too simple. You know, cool. So, what's a good? So, you're gonna throw out a, a recommendation, some book that you've read personally and professionally you felt was really valuable. We do this every episode, except for the roundtable, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, book that's not really valuable. Um, man, I read so many. Um, honestly, my biggest, uh, the biggest, like as I said, the biggest thing is a lifestyle, okay, and a consistent lifestyle, and. A big part of that is time management. And when you can get, when you can kind of fix that in your life, all of a sudden applying diet principles gets really, really easy. Um, I really liked uh, Craig Valentine's perfect day formula. Okay. Ooh, I never, it's actually, I just yeah, saw that. Really I saw good. that like a few times recently. Really good. I mean, and that's just, it speaks more that that speaks more to me personally because I have issues with time management. Cause I have all this shit on the go and all these, you know, different platforms I got to pretend to be smart on. So like this kind of helps me figure out where I need to be and all that. Although it's getting up at 4 a.m. I don't know. I find that difficult, but I'm working on that too. Um, that, like that's a really good one. Um, training. Um, well, uh, man, I can't remember the last really good. I love old school training books. That's that. Okay. Like, now I'm going to kind of out myself. Like I love like. The encyclopedia of yeah, a Bill Pearl's Keys to the Universe. Okay. Keys to the Inner Universe. Like that's like my, you know, I love stuff like that. Like, that's what kind of stokes my fire. Um, so you, you can tell, man, you smile. It's like, oh, I don't yeah. fucking know. Actually, it's this one. Just tell yeah. us. Guys, if you're listening to the audio, you almost have to go check yeah. out the YouTube version because Brian really lights up or makes a lot of faces when we were talking about all this shit. So it's actually quite entertaining. Yeah, um, I'm a terrible poker player, man. No poker face. I hope that. I actually met uh, Craig Ballantyne very briefly. He was one of the yeah. presenters at uh, Luca Osavar's event last September in, in Seattle or just outside of Seattle in Renton. And uh, Craig was interesting for sure. Yeah. I've heard that book a lot. A lot of people have mentioned it. So yeah. I think I might finally decide, okay, let's let's put that on the list because I've been looking for some stuff because I keep blowing through books way too fast. All right. Yeah. Where can – oh, no, Dean's turn. Well, <laughs> this is my question, man. It, it's, it's a simple one. So we had you on the roundtable and we, didn't, we kind of already mentioned it. But let's just note again for the new listeners and I guess everyone else kind of – coming into this podcast through you is that where's the best place to find your shit, your content, your media? Clearly it's not Facebook, I guess. Well, I, where can they hear you whine? Where can they hear you whine about shit? 
probably Facebook might still be best. I mean, what I do is I'll throw stuff up there and something like, I don't know, if I like something, I'll, I'll put it on my blog. So I still maintain my blog. Yeah. Um, just not enough. Um, but that <laughs> my blog is uh, briancron.com. So B-R-Y-A-N-K-R-A-H-N.com. Um, but yeah, I'm also on Facebook. I am active on there, sort of. Um, he won't on mind. Instagram, you can see my dogs and uh, my kid, my calves. Today I posted calves. It's a great, it's a, it's a meathead day. I saw that. It was a few seconds before we logged on here. Oh, that's yeah. why I was late. I was like, no, you're good. He's trying to take like 10 pictures of his thing. He's like two minutes late. He's like, I fucking need a good picture of my calves. Man, you're just as worse as all the Insta pros. Speaking of dogs, Penny <laughs> is right. Dean's dog, Penny, is under the table, under the desk. So, yeah, so if I ever look down, it's my fucking dogs. It's funny, man. Like that's what that's what I miss about social media. Everyone was just like dogs and and you know friends and family and I don't know. Okay, I'll say it. Boobs. You know when, <laughs> when it was fun. You know I don't know. That's kind of uh, I, I miss those days. But uh. yeah, this this episode boobs gets in there. The last episode there's some like major ranting about sexual harassment uh, in the industry. But you know what? Like I uh, I don't want to go too far down this one, but. I think a lot of shit is just pretty normal and you can't get too twisted about it. And yeah, like the looking good naked thing, let's be honest about it. And we can appreciate yeah. beautiful human beings. But uh, yeah, there's some also some dark shit. If you really want to explore that dark shit, go to the last episode of Sarah Mormon. That one's that one's pretty savage. Yeah. I went off on that one. Yeah, I would... Uh, yeah, There's nothing to me that I find creepier uh, than someone who's always putting out... You know, uh, I don't want to use... I don't use the word white knight because it's so loaded. Um, but just someone who's always putting out that kind of air. Virtue and, and, signaling is the yeah, phrase right I love. Virtue, virtue, sign- virtue signaling, virtue right? Signaling. And you can go down to social justice warrior stuff. So, yeah. If yeah, anybody is, really, anybody yeah. found this last episode then goes on to this one, they might get upset. Man, it's because it's fake. Like, you go look at it and you look at that and you're like, man, this guy's full of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. normal people yeah. who are, are white knights, not loaded, um, are just... They're just those people. They don't need to tell everyone about it. Exactly. Like if you're like if you're just a if you're a reasonably good, reasonably upstanding person who's trying to get better and taking care of your family and and just a good person, like you don't need to broadcast it. Just fucking no. be it. Yeah. I think some of that white knight yeah. shit is all about getting laid too. It's just a different route than getting jacked. I prefer the getting jacked route. Although I'll call shit when it it's legitimate, yeah. but it's not my message yeah. either. Well, yeah, exactly. Like if you're just, I can't. You know, if you're just. You're full a of shit. Good, fucking normal, honest, decent person. You will call out shit when it needs to be called out. Like it'll just, it'll just be like, what the fuck? Like it'll just bother you too much, you know. As opposed to like searching for like to put out every little fire so you can make yourself look like you know a super fireman. Super um, fireman. Anyone who's basically <laughs> spent their entire waking consciousness the last like what three or four days freaking out about Roseanne. I don't even give a shit. Uh, I don't even. Honestly, I don't even know. I didn't even. I don't even. Don't know even. What it don't is. even. It's okay, good. I don't there's care. this ideological war where people on one side want to get everybody else on the other side fired, and then they're looking for shit to. And it, it's going on on both sides. Both sides of the spectrum are just as bad for this crap. So, but we're not going there. We're not going there. Nope. Okay, uh, I'm gonna hit end. Uh, basically, <laughs> well, if you're if you're Brian's fans, fucking give us five star reviews. Like we just beg for them at this point. I think we got like one every week. So like that's bullshit. For like fucking two thousand downloads, we get one fucking review a week. Like get your shit together. Anyways. And yeah, guys, bullshit. again, if yeah. you are a you know specifically a fan of Brian's, maybe this is the first time you found us. He was on a couple episodes ago in this roundtable with Mike Isertel and Spencer Nadolski. They're actual doc. Well, Spencer is a medical doctor and Mike's a 
PhD doctor. He's a fake doctor. He's a fake like, doctor. Yeah. He's doctor a medical doctor. Yeah. He, he's, he's paper doc. He's paper smart. Doctor. So guys, check that one out. It's really, really fun. And if you really like this one, you know what? Just shoot us a yeah. message and we'll tell us what you're interested in. We've got, what? This will be number 41, I think. And we've got a lot of really amazing guests who are some of Brian's industry friends, some of our friends. And we just got a lot of really cool shit. So hopefully you'll like it. And uh, if you find a few you like, maybe you'll subscribe to it. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. This was fun. It was awesome. Thank you. Shut up and sit down.